Hello, this is Chris, and you're listening to the Global City Mission Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Joey Dermeyer, Mobilization Catalyst with GCMI in Atlanta, and by Gabe Brazel, GCMI Mission Catalyst in Philadelphia. Gabe was one of the first GCMI team members in New York City and continues to serve on our team now in Philly. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking with Gabe about his experiences in cross-cultural ministry, both in New York and his transition to Philadelphia, and how he continues to serve there. So welcome, Gabe. Welcome, Joey. Good to have have you guys on today. Hey, Chris. Hey, Joey. It's good to see you guys. Be with you guys. Yeah, it's good Good to be with you, too. Yeah, so remind us real quick, Gabe, how, how long have you been with GCMI? You've been on the team for a little while now. Yeah, it started in August of 2013, so nine nine, nine years. years. Yeah, nine solid years. Wow. That's awesome. You, and you, the elder statesman. But uh, yeah, so you started in New York with Jared and uh, living in the Bronx. And tell us how that was. Like, how how did those first yeah. couple of years go? Um, when we moved to New York City, uh, my wife's from like a town of 250 people. I'm from outside of St. Louis. Uh, I've been to New York once, I think. And didn't visit the city before I came up to, to live there, other than to find an apartment two weeks before my family came up. Um, at that time, I had a one-year-old daughter. And, uh, and yeah, we kind of hit the ground running. I know you guys have talked some in the past about the Equip training program. Yeah. Um, one, of our, one of our partners that had helped kind of yeah. prepare people for for ministry and mission. So it wasn't like, you know, we were just completely blindsided, like all by ourselves doing this new global ministry that, that at that time, I mean, GCMI has now been talking about it for, you know, a good decade plus. Um, But at that time, I I was very unaware of this fact, like, like many of our listeners still, I mean, they're still kind of waking up to the idea that, you know, there is global peoples all around us. And so, so that move was um, in a way jumping off the deep end for us, but in that equip program, there was kind of a safety net to help us if, if we were drowning. Um, we lived right, right there in the middle of the Bronx. You know, we would get on the subway. We had no car or anything. New York City's not a, a car city, and um, there were more people on the train car, I think, than than uh, lived in my wife's town for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we would see more people in a day than we would see like in a year back home. And so it was, it was an overwhelmingly crazy experience. Um, but by the time that we were able to kind of sit down and be like, okay, we're here in New York and look at all these people. And, and I, I've heard you guys kind of talking about that in, in past episodes, you know, like once our eyes kind of adjusted to where we were at, yeah, it wasn't just people, but it was this whole neighborhood is a Yemeni neighborhood. This whole area is Bengali. This whole area is Albanian. This whole area is Italian. Oh, wait a second. Those are Albanians too. And so <laughs> this very, um, uh, again, you know, I think talking about, is it Clarkston that's in yeah, Georgia? Clarkston. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, not the same concentration in the small amount, but that same, like very much in a different country all yeah. of a sudden. And we didn't even, we didn't even realize it until we, you know, we're, we're walking around figuring it all out. So <laughs> That, that was, has to be an interesting thing, though. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I just I'm thinking about like the, these two Midwestern kids who moved. We were kids. Huh? We were kids. We were like 20. Yeah. Literally, two, these three. two Midwestern yeah. kids show up in New York City of all places. And just that that cultural difference and shock 
um, it had to be jarring a little I, bit. I did not know. I knew of, but I did not know a Muslim until I moved to New York. I don't yeah. think. Right. My first word picked like the first time I remember hearing the word Muslim in general, I think was, was September 11th, like as a child, right. like it's yeah. just, yeah. this is. And so even though I'd made like a mental shift in my head, even while I was like in high school and college of no Muslims are just different people, like You're still right. actually coming and encountering Muslims and being invited to a mosque. It's like, can I go in there? Like what happens? What kind of yeah. demons are in there? <laughs> like this is very, is very, 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 very different. Um, in that first year, we got we got plugged in with with Equip, uh, where we were asked, um, "Hey, you know, there's a pretty big Albanian community, uh, especially from the nation of Kosovo, all around you. Can you guys plug in and, and get to know them?" And I didn't know anything about Albania. I knew where it was on a map, so that's better than a lot of Americans. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew nothing about the country other than I had just watched Taken, um, and then that movie <laughs> Albanian gangsters, or you know. Uh, trafficking humans and stuff like yeah. that so so that was I your context was, was just that movie that was the context was that was my context yeah <laughs> that was my context Chris. i i got to know this one albanian guy and he's like what do you even know about albania and i was like well i saw taken and he looks at me and he shakes his head and he's like no man no and I was like, oh, and he's like no they got it all wrong like Marco is a Christian name, but he's from Tripoya. That's a Muslim city. The American hero kills so many Albanians. That, that would never happen. And then, like, the Albanian guy tries to shoot a guy in the back. We don't do that. We shoot people in the face. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> he smiled. I was like, I'm just kidding. And I was like, all right. And so our introduction to this people group that was just very different from our own, that did have this rough, tough reputation that was really, at first hard to get to know the, the community that the Albanians had built for themselves was very insular. Like we are Albanians. We kind of don't give a rip about who you are. We're doing kind of our thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to hire one another. We're going to make money and we're going to move forward in this society that we think, you know, is heaven. Like we came to America to find heaven. Um, and then mm -hmm. trying to get to know them, trying to get to know them for, for a good year, like just showing up at their restaurants over and over letting my daughter terrorize their playgrounds, like where they're all hanging out, um, <laughs> kind of just forcing ourselves into conversations. And we're like, man, no one is, no one is uh, accepting us. It's just like, what are these Americans doing in our spot? Again, what are these Americans doing in our spot? Again, we've, you guys have talked a lot on the podcast about how many times internationals are so excited to have you in their restaurants. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that's very true. Yeah. And yet I've also discovered there's some restaurants and some times where it's like, wait, what, what are you doing here? Like you yeah. don't belong. And yeah. so in that first year, probably about eight months in, we made this one friend uh, who was just a couple of years younger than us, um, you know, probably had just turned 20 or something like that. I'd only been in the States like a year. And uh, he was a waiter at one of the restaurants when I knew he was kind of our friend whenever we were sitting at the table and it's only Albanians in this restaurant other than my family, like that I've ever seen. And he's serving us our food when this group of like uh, 
non-Albanian white ladies come into the restaurant. He looks up while he's at our table. And he's like, what the heck are they doing here? And I was like, oh, he said that while we were here. Like, like yeah. we belong <laughs> and they don't. Like, yeah. ah. And uh, all of a sudden, he introduced us to some of his family. And because we were with him, we got to know these other connections. And, and pretty soon, out of that relationship, it seemed like the door was kind of open into the community. And once a couple of people started vouching to say, hey, I know those guys, it was like we were in. And mm. it, it, took, it took a good, you know, years work of like like every day trying to get to be in with these people but but we finally did we found that in um into relationship and into conversation and into invites to people's homes and uh eventually their homes even back in albania when we went and visited their country for a while so that was really neat yeah i think that's Um, great i think that's great that you share it it took you a full year plus Mm -hmm. to get to that that point Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so and I think that's, I think that's part of the problem that, you know, a lot of church leaders and, you know, probably people new to, you know, new to cross cultural ministry, they, they feel like, you know, I should be able to just hop out in the community, you know, you know, throw out a few spiritual statements, you know, visit a couple of restaurants, and all of a sudden, I've got this inroad. And, uh, and yeah, sometimes it is that easy. You know, I I've have had great conversations with people on a first visit to a restaurant. And I've also gone back to the same restaurant and I'm still just a, you know, nobody in the background and I haven't had the opportunity to figure out how to get to that next level. Um, and I haven't invested the year plus of, of just struggling and, and that's sometimes what it takes, which. Yeah. And I think that's good to point out too, because again, when it comes to the, for those of us who've been on the church side, you know, we're, we're expecting instant results, like instantaneous, yeah. like in, go to the in conference, the, learn the thing, and the then it works. Thing, yeah. and like you apply it instantly. And I think what mission work can teach us is the patience uh, and, the, and the willingness to sort of trust the Lord in that time. Cause I imagine over the course of like, when you're like six, eight months in, you're going, Oh, this is not, Oh, can we get, further past this and i think i think that is really cool about one disciple making in general is it is an investment in time and it's an investment in individuals saying i'm i'm going to spend time with you and i'm going to keep coming and i'm going to keep walking with you and i'm going to keep doing all this even if it takes me a year plus to sort of get past just a, a, a friendly conversation um, you know, that persistence, but that willingness to walk alongside people. Yeah. And I think it's, it's frustrating and disappointing to even note on top of that, but also like a reality is that, you know, and that's, that's until we're welcomed into the community, not only like, like, yeah, we're having better conversations, we're having deeper conversations, but still is that, is that people, their hearts changing or is that them actually giving you a moment to listen to you, et cetera. And I think, I think even though I've known this for eight years, um, I know we're, we're probably going to talk about Philadelphia coming up here in a minute because that's where I'm at now, but uh, living in Philadelphia, making that move, making that transition has been, I mean, even to almost three years in, it's been hard for me to stay patient at the same inroads, the same places, because it's like, okay, I've been here now. 10 times nothing's happening i need to go find the next place and i think how easy is it for us even if we're trying to be intentional to be like well i tried that 
Egyptian place four times. They didn't really seem to be interested in anything. So I tried the Bengali place four times. I tried the other Egyptian place. And it's like, now you've just seen four different sets of people for a month or two months. Right. But, but maybe if you would have stayed with that group, because I, I met, you know, one or two friends in different communities and, and they were the ones that opened up the communities mm. for me. And it was right. just, it was very different. Um, in that regard. So yeah, let's, let's talk about the move for a minute. Um, you, uh, it's going on three years ago now, four years ago now that you guys yeah, moved to be, Philly. Three, three years uh, in July. Three Around years in July. Before. So, so you were in the Bronx for, you know, five, six years and kids are getting a little bit older, you know, some, some health stuff, just time to move somewhere that, that makes a little more sense for your family. And, uh, I know uh, in that process, you you guys researched a lot of places, you prayed about a lot of places, and and you landed on Philly as the place to go. And and uh, yeah, three years of of diving in with with experience, right? You've got those years of with New experience. York behind you, but with experience. But you're diving in fresh and new. It's a new place. It's not New York. It's Philly. And, uh, yeah. so, so how's that been? Like the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's good. I think from, as a Midwesterner, it's kind of easy for me to just look at like cities in the Northeast, you know, you your New York city and your Philly and your Boston and be like, Oh, those are going to be kind of the same. Like, especially Philly and New York, like it's like, it's little, cousin that's trying but right <laughs> but it's not like there's no place like new york city like so so very different um in so many ways you still have the hustle and bustle to an extent um but i, I feel like that new york city even though you could definitely find neighborhoods that were i said earlier you know this is little yemen this is little bangladesh this is um Philadelphia, I mean, New York was was still very blended, like kind of everybody lives everywhere. And you walk into yeah. neighborhoods where you have a majority theme, but there's still never a place where it's like, oh, this is only one group of people. Mm-hmm. And, and Philadelphia does, I think, have like it doesn't have those same um, business thoroughfares where you walk into a neighborhood and you're like, oh, this is definitely little Bangladesh. Instead, it's like, OK, well, there's this one thing over here. And then we drive over here and we find another thing. And I think it's it's much more like any other city you're going to find in America where you have these little yeah. micro pockets of people. And so after living in New York for a while, I had to retrain my brain to be like, I can't just go walk and find 20 different places that are all international, except for like two different streets. I'm actually going to have to do the work to know where do people live? Where do people hang out? Where do Because yeah. in New York, I could just, you know throw a rock in one direction, walk over there and find somebody from around the world to talk to. And there's tons of people in Philly to talk to from around the world, but you got to be a little bit more strategic. And so that, that was different. Um, New York city, people are out hundred percent of the time. So <laughs> even, at, you know, midnight, one in the morning, like, yeah, maybe you feel a little bit like, okay, it's 2am. This is probably sketchy. Yeah. The Philly's wrong people like, are out, right? But, the wrong people are out at one, two in the morning. Yeah, and really the wrong people are out at one or two in the morning. It's like in New York, I was out all the time with internationals till 2 a.m. And Philly, even the internationals are like, all right, man, it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if not, they hang out in their cars at the parking lot, like, you know, a mile and a half north of me. I know where that parking lot is, too. That's the only one they hang out at late, you know, it's got big lights and stuff like that. But it's it's been very, very different. Um, and I would say another thing that's really different is it, comparing the two, New York versus Philly, uh, the level of, of assimilation in New York City, I think that um, whether you've been there for five minutes or you've been there for 50 years, you're kind of a New Yorker and you kind of belong and you kind of yeah. don't. Mm. But people wear their ethnicity pretty heavy, like especially even I was thinking Albanians. I work with Albanians a lot in New York and they're white. They could blend in with the mainstream white America if they so tried. But right. in New York, they're great with being Albanian. They got kind of this reputation. That, and some of them are assimilated. Absolutely. Like, and I use the word assimilation lightly, like they are a part of our, our culture, but they can also maintain their own. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in Philly, it's benefited a lot of people to kind of try to bury, it seems like, the fact that they are different and to just try to be one of the regular Americans. And so where you used to be able in New York, I could go to the park and find just a whole big group of one ethnicity hanging out together. Here it's like, oh, it's like two families and maybe they're trying to hang out with some other people, which has its pros and cons because now they're more willing to hang out with me. And yet it's a lot harder to just jump into that, that oikos, that group of, of their local community. Right. Um, so that's, those are some differences. I think that you said earlier, you know, I, I had, years of, of experience, I guess, working in New York and coming to Philly, it was really nice to have this um, heart and desire that was was able to collaborate and realize God is already at work here. Yeah. Like, even though I was I was told the opposite, when I moved to New York as, as a kid, <laughs> when I was yeah. 23 or whatever, I really thought I was going to take Jesus to New York. And I mean, for the first six months, I was probably pretty sure he, I was going to take him there. And then like after six months, I was like, oh, he did live here already. I see. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah. At first it was just scary, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> but after that point, it was like, he's here. He's been here. He's been at work. I get to help point that out. And I think yeah. that's, a, that was an important shift because so many times we go into a place and it's like, I'm here to take God somewhere. And it's like, that's, that goes against our beliefs. Uh-huh but we, we still do it. I, I yeah. think another thing that I did here, I, I came here um, alone. I don't have a, I don't have a team GCMI team with me. And so having the wisdom to seek out ministry partners and the opportunity to enjoy seeing the good that was already happening in the city, um, looking for groups to, to collaborate with. I, I partnered yeah. with this grow ESL. I didn't start my own ESL program. Um, right. <laughs> group that's already has a great program and i'm like hey let me connect with that i get to help teach english i get to connect with internationals and if there's other teachers that want to learn to do um you know gospel sharing like like we are doing then then i can also help be a gift and benefit there um wanting to work with the the afghan refugees recently coming over I didn't try to figure out how do I do this by myself. I connected with the organization or groups that are already doing that. Um, and so that, that was things I, I definitely, I, I wasn't as connected to the larger church, I don't think in New York. Yeah. Um, and I'm really yeah. glad I was able to do that. 
when I transitioned over here. Well, kind of the, the pros and cons of having the team in New York was you didn't have to do that because you had a team to work with. And so being on your own in Philly, you know, I mean, plus the wisdom of, of a few years experience, like that kind of gave you that opportunity, kind of forced that opportunity on you. you. You had to do something more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely couldn't have done it all by myself. <laughs> might have tried but yeah. so as you've been talking one of the questions that pops in my head is this idea of you know obviously we always want to whatever it is we we want to be spirit-led we want to be following the harvest when you're when you're it, like for you is it a, like would you say like I don't know how to wait. I'm trying to figure out a way to word this, but is it like, you know, 80% of my time, I'm going to go after Albanians, but I'm going to be open to 20%. Or is it just sort of like wherever the stream is open, I'm just kind of following. Yeah, that's a great question. Like, what does that look like for you? I think there are some people that definitely like wear the blinders, like a horse. Like, hey, I am going to work with these people and there's nothing that can shake me from that path. And I think that sometimes that really seems like it's from God because it's like, I have a burning heart and desire to see these people presented with the gospel. And like I said earlier about the intentionality of Albanians, like if I wouldn't have shown up at those restaurants once a week for eight years, eight years, eight months, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) like, I don't think that we ever would have got the relationships that we had. So I think that that is important. Um, I will say with the transition to Philly, I was really transitioning heavily relying on the fact that I would be doing mostly Albanian ministry. There's, there's an Albanian Christian church, one of the few Protestant Christian churches um, amongst the Albanian diaspora here in Philly. Um, and I partnered up some with them. Uh, but I think that to an extent, partially because of that assimilation and second generation thing that is, that is mm-hmm. here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. there's a yeah. ton of fresh immigrants in uh, New York and here like, a lot of the Albanians really could plug into an American church because they speak English, like not only like a second language, but it, it it's almost yeah. their heart language because they yeah. came over young or they've been over, et cetera. Yeah. And so I think that I still probably what you said, Joey, I probably try to dedicate like 50% of my time is like, I'm going to go out and pursue these Albanian places and these Albanian relationships. And yet I know that next to that Albanian coffee is also the Bengali supermarket. And so every time that I go to the coffee, I'm going to go and drop by the supermarket and talk to the family who works there. Yeah. Yeah. Et cetera. And so I think having that intentionality is important, especially if like you feel like God has laid uh, a burden on your heart for a people group, or if you put in the work, like I, I know more about Albanian culture than I know yeah. about other cultures. Now sure. I'm no expert. Right. But I know more about that culture. I know more about the language. I know more of the language um, yeah. than I know, you know, other things. So I appreciate you asking that. That's a good yeah. question. So we moved here, like I said, in, in 2019. One thing that has been really different in our ministry that I didn't see coming, um, GCMI, global city. We're working with global peoples in our cities. Right. COVID hit uh, just <laughs> two months after we lived here. And as you guys know, as everyone knows, that just put a big kink in everyone's plans for, I would say it still kind of puts a kink in my plan. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Really, the the international community, some of them really like went like closed. Like, you know, the a, a lot of the Asians were 
not seeing anyone. The Bengalis, similar. The Albanians really didn't care. So I was still able to see and interact with a lot of them. Um, their businesses were all closed, but you just went to the back door. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. So, but I think that um, because of because of COVID uh, and because of just the big pause that put on life, I started looking around on, on my block and our, our block is predominantly African-American, um, a few white people and some like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Um, we got a big Spanish speaking Puerto Rican Cuban church like down on the corner. And uh, as, as COVID was, you know, in its harshest stages and everybody was kind of mostly just sitting on their porches, started talking to neighbors and kind of put some of those, um, you know, we're, we're always coaching and encouraging people, you know, and whenever we make new disciples, it's like, well, now impact your own community with the gospel and kind of opening my eyes to like, hey, Gabe, you live here. You've only lived here six months, but this is your own community. Right. Mm-hmm. Who here wants to start a DBS? And so started a, a discovery Bible study that we just call um, like Bible study on the block. And that's been going on now for like the last year um, includes families from like five different houses um, and meets at just different houses or for a while met on porches, um, you know, because of yeah, you kinda, yeah. But, but that's been something that's been really different to me because honestly, I moved to New York as a 22, 23 year old and dove into these international cultures. I, I didn't know a lot about American city people. And so it's yeah. been, <laughs> been very different, um, but really cool to put some of that, you know, the things that were, preaching the things that we're proclaiming right and doing some of that kind of on my own so yeah that's That's really cool how you know again you just sort of said okay well this is i I, again i go back to that idea of like this is what the harvest presented me or like the opportunities god presented me i couldn't go here or there but i have right 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 what's around me so i'm going to start taking advantage of these opportunities um that god has placed around me again i think that's just a great ministry idea because again from the church world we're so like we've got a vision and a plan and we're going to accomplish this and and sometimes you know um reality hits and you can't do it that way and in the church world we we freak out because they're like no we only know how to do it this one way but to be able to stretch out and go okay i'm going to open myself up and be open and whatever the whatever's presented that's fine i'm still pursuing whatever it is that god calls me to even if that's you know, and it's still ministry and it's still God glorifying. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point. But that, that was just, that's what yeah. I was thinking as you were talking. And as a, as a practical takeaway, I think that we, there's a fire truck or something. As a practical takeaway, we do live out loud. We live the gospel in our everyday interactions. I recently was invited to a Bengali wedding like six hours away, but I had just like, this is a friend from New York. I went to his wedding and while I was at his wedding, he's like, Hey, do you remember this guy from New York and this guy from New York? And he reconnected me with these guys and they're all like, Oh yeah, give us your number. Next time you're in the city, I'm only two hours away from the city. And so it's, it's really cool to be like, yeah, I just followed an opportunity just to a wedding. Like I just went in a wedding, yeah. mm-hmm. but I started talking about my faith and our friendship and like how, even though he was Muslim and I was Christian and all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, let's continue this wherever yeah. we go wherever yeah. we go i think that's a practical takeaway for for anybody who's listening it's just like it, it doesn't stop 
because mm-hmm. you know and it's you know even the whole taco bell thing taco bell's there you're supposed to be in and out but there's an opportunity <laughs> to talk about jesus at taco bell too yeah. if we realize it yeah 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 no right um i think one of the things i love i mean i i love the the general gcmi continuing to be on the move gcmi doing new things in new places but i think one of the opportunities you moving to philly gives us as an organization is you've you've got all this new york experience you've got all this gcmi discipleship evangelism experience and then you experience that new place and i think the especially the pastors we're talking to um, you know, Joey and his role, me, you know, out networking, like the pastors that we're talking to, they're experiencing their cities sometimes for the first time in that like broader multi-ethnic kind of way. And so um, let's let's talk to those guys for a minute. Um, and maybe it's a new, you know, maybe it's another 23-year-old Gabe who's getting ready to move to New York, you know, and the, but like, what you've you've now experienced two cities where you've dived in deep to go how do i how do i see the city how do i find those places and you know um and then how do i rediscover it as i realize well maybe this isn't quite the open door that i thought it was and maybe god's got something different um yeah i think that we we really put ourselves in the, the humble place of, of a student to learn about a, a people and a person whenever we go to a business and we realize, okay, here is this guy and he's from country X and I like his food and I like his family and I talk to him, most likely I'm going to realize he's not the only person from country X who lives here and go ahead and, and submit yourself to be like, tell me about your culture. Tell me about your transition. Tell me, like, are there other people from, from where you live? If, if you know, you know, play, play a little dumb. <laughs> are there other people yeah. from, from where you live here? What's it like to build community? What, what do you guys do? Do you only work? Um, I found that in New York, it was really easy, not only to find restaurants where people worked, um, businesses where people worked and like to see customer employer relations, et cetera. But I also found it easy to find people at playgrounds and parks and entertaining themselves. In Philly, sometimes I'm still like, okay, well, I know we have this amount of restaurants over here from this ethnographic group, but where do they hang out? Like, I don't know where they hang out. I recently had a friend from um, East Africa and was talking with him and he's like, you know, I play soccer every week um with guys from my country and one other guy from palestine and i was like really well invite me sometime he's like okay you're invited and i was like okay cool and so i show up they play they rent this indoor soccer thing it was uh still a little cold outside um and i go over it's actually right outside the city Mm. 15 minute drive maybe from my house and all of a sudden i look and one soccer field is these guys from east africa Next soccer field is way too many people on that field, but I think they were all speaking <laughs> Spanish. Over yeah. here is like a field that appears to be like I think Ukrainian, Russian, I don't, you know, some some Eastern language over there. And I was like, wow, this is a place that a whole bunch of internet and I didn't know that, but and I wouldn't have learned that because I wouldn't have sought that out. But I I asked, what do you do for yeah. fun? What do yeah. you and I and I think that those questions and you know, I said, humble yourself, but those student observatory, let me learn about you questions 
so often we're gung-ho to share, let me tell you about America, let me tell you about real American food, let me tell you about the way that, you know, like you think this country's great? Yeah, I think it's great too. Let me tell you about that. Let me tell you about my family. Let me tell you about Jesus. And that's important to talk about Jesus. It's important right. to share about our family, but we need to ask first yeah. about them, about their story, about their family. Um, and and, and I, just to be just to be clear for 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 us, but for our listeners as well, like you bluntly ask them those questions. Yes, like I, I do. Yeah, I I yeah. won't say that that is always appropriate. I know that whenever I moved to Philly. And I started asking people, where are you from? Because that is the first question you are ever asked in New York City. Like everyone asks that, where are you from? Missouri. No, you're not. Like, where's your family from? I'm like, oh, Lithuania. Like, uh. but, and I did meet like a couple of times, more resistance, but it was whenever I asked it here and it was like two Americans. And I was like, where are you from? And they're like, what? I'm from here. What are you talking about? Like, but I think that the internationals most of the time are, I won't say always, but most of the time, very, very fine telling you about that. Yeah. I think we can ask almost, we can ask a lot of questions as long as we ask with sincerity and love. People, yeah. people can read those emotions across cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as like, hey, can you explain that picture to me? I, I've, what, what is that building that I see in that picture? Or what, what is this, this picture I see about? Or, or yeah. yeah. One Absolutely. of the things I, 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 we always end up talking about food, but one of the things I always, <laughs> one of the things I always ask is like, what, do, what, what would you have? Like what, if, if I was, when I walk into a restaurant, what do you recommend? Like what, what was something that you really enjoy? I, I, I want to try it, you know, or, or, or something like that. You know, we of, talk about, <laughs> we talk about food. Cause I think it's one of the easiest observable inroads. Yeah, I right think now. that there are going to be, there's numerous paths to meet people. Um, I know a lot of, uh, internationals that work with different travel companies. I know a yeah. lot of internationals that work in the medical field. I know. And I, I think that the more that we retrain our brains, like, you know, you guys have talked in past episodes, you know, eyes wide shut. And then all of a sudden, I think it was whenever you're talking with John, or it's just like, Oh, look at this new restaurant that's in my neighborhood. Yeah. But I even think of like how many doctors and nurses care yep. for me when I'm at the hospital that are obviously not born in the USA. And it's just like, oh, well, that is interesting. And I know that you're not in the doctor's office to have this long conversation, but I had this doctor in New York from Pakistan and I learned so much about his family because I took time to ask. Like he would ask me a question, I would ask him a question and it was the best doctor-patient relationship I've ever yeah. experienced. Yeah, I mean, yeah just taking cool. that humble, humble approach and, and just willing to listen and ask questions. I think, yeah, I think that that's universal, like here, or it was, it was different in New York, because you could honestly just kind of walk around and run into people. But I think, yeah. I think in every other city, every context, we're going to ask questions. I think that's, that's what we are going to do. And if yeah. people aren't ready to answer us, then we honor that. Okay, mm. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to pry, you know, like, yeah, well, well, I'll apologize. That. <laughs> right. So that will do it for this week's episode of the GCMI podcast. That was part one of two with the Brazzles. And next time we will be joined by Gabe and Sarah talking about their experience as a married couple and as parents moving into a global city and jumping into cross-cultural ministry. Thank you again for joining us and be sure to join us next time. 
We are shifting to a twice a month episode rhythm, so be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss the next episode. You can sign up through your favorite podcast app or go to globalcitymission.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.